From the American College of Cardiology, this is Dr. Kim Eagle, ACC.org Editor-in-Chief, with this week's Eagle's Eye View. This is your weekly cardiovascular update from ACC.org. This week, I'm going to summarize three very important clinical trials that were just published uh, this last week that are incredibly relevant to cardiovascular practitioners of all types. One of them is called ASPRI, Aspirin and Reducing Events in the Elderly. The other two are a study called ASCEND, a study of cardiovascular events in diabetics, one of them looking at aspirin and the other looking at omega-3 fatty acids. So let's start with ASPRI. The goal of this trial was to evaluate low-dose aspirin compared with placebo among healthy elderly patients. It was a randomized study. Healthy elderly patients were randomized to 100 milligrams of aspirin a day versus placebo. About 9,500 patients in each arm. They were followed for just about five years. Median age was 74. 56% were women and 11% had diabetes. They lowered the age criteria for blacks and Hispanics to 65 years to get more diversity in terms of the patient population. They excluded patients who had a pre-existing cardiovascular or cerebrovascular disease or who had a high risk of bleeding or a contraindication to aspirin. And the primary outcome was all-cause dementia, death, or a physical disability. And it was the same, about 21.5 events per 1,000 person years in the aspirin group compared to 21.2 events per 1,000 person years in the placebo group. The secondary outcomes were important. Major hemorrhage happened in 8.6 events per 1,000 person years in the aspirin versus 6.2 events in the placebo group. So the excess was about 1 in 500 patients treated. If they looked at intracranial bleeding, 2.5 events per 1,000 person years in the aspirin versus 1.7 in the placebo, so that was about one event per 1,000 individuals treated. And in terms of GI bleeds, similar scenario. There was more upper GI bleeding, 2.1 events per 1,000 person years in the aspirin group versus 1.1 in the placebo group, again, an excess of one event per 1,000-person years from aspirin. If you looked at the cardiovascular event rate, this was categorized as fatal cardiovascular disease, myocardial infarction, stroke, or hospitalization for heart failure. They were similar, 10.7 events per 1,000-person years in the aspirin group, 11.3 events per 1,000 in the placebo group. So that was not statistically meaningful. If you ask the question, well, with a larger trial, what would have been the number? The answer would have been one person benefited with 2,000 person years of follow-up from the aspirin. All-cause mortality was a little higher in the aspirin, 5.9% versus 5.2. And interestingly, in this trial, cancer mortality also a little higher in the aspirin group, 3.1% versus 2.3%. So the trialists concluded that in healthy elderly patients, low-dose aspirin was not beneficial. It did not improve disability-free survival or major cardiovascular events at about five years. And it was associated with a higher risk of major bleeding, which included intracranial and upper GI. 
And curiously enough, this trial also had a signal for cancer mortality. So this trial is important. The ESPRIT trial definitely showed that in healthy elderly patients who did not have established uh, cardiovascular disease, the use of low-dose aspirin does not appear to be a benefit and may cause some harm. I'm going to follow that trial with another one. This one is called the ASCEND aspirin trial. This is a study of cardiovascular events in diabetics, again, looking at whether low-dose aspirin compared to placebo would lower cardiovascular risk in diabetics who did not have known cardiovascular disease. Again, a randomized trial. This one, again, 100 milligrams of aspirin in about 7,700 treated patients versus a similar number of placebos. So a total enrollment of 15,480. Longer follow-up, 7.4 years. Younger age, 63%. Female also lower at 37%. The inclusion criteria, these were diabetics greater than or equal to 40 years of age who did not have known cardiovascular disease. So the primary outcome was major cardiovascular event, vascular death, myocardial infarction, or stroke TIA, occurred in 8.5% of the aspirin group compared to 9.6% of placebo. So about an absolute risk reduction of 1% of major cardiovascular event. This was largely offset by a safety outcome. So major bleeding, intracranial hemorrhage, GI hemorrhage, or site-threatening eye bleeding occurred in 4.1% of the aspirin group compared to 3.2% of the placebo. So interesting, you gained one event prevented by aspirin in the cardiovascular space, and you gave that away in terms of risk in the uh, major safety outcome of bleeding. Secondary outcomes, non-fatal MI was similar. Intracranial hemorrhage overall was similar. GI hemorrhage was more common with aspirin, 1.8% versus 1.3%. So if you treated 200 patients with aspirin, you'd cause one GI bleed. And in this trial, actually, the GI cancer-related outcomes were similar. So the authors concluded that among diabetics with no known cardiovascular disease, aspirin use was associated with a slight reduction in major cardiovascular events, 12% relative reduction, but a significant increase of even greater magnitude in terms of major bleeding. And the major bleeding was mainly due to GI hemorrhage. The absolute risk reduction for major cardiovascular events, as I said, was around 1%, and the absolute risk increase for bleeding was also about 1%. So these two trials of aspirin certainly throw water on the fire in terms of the notion of routine use of aspirin for primary prevention. In diabetics, without known cardiovascular disease, it appears to be about a wash. And in healthy elderly patients also, the risk versus benefit does not appear to favor aspirin based on these two very large trials. Now let me finish with the second part of the ASCEND trial. That was a two-by-two study. They also randomized these diabetics to get omega-3 fatty acids. So the goal of the ASCEND omega-3 trial was to evaluate N3 omega-3 fatty acids compared to placebo among diabetics with no known cardiovascular disease. Again, randomized trial, roughly uh, 7,500 patients in each arm. The dose of the omega-3 fatty acid was 840 milligrams a day. 
Uh, Follow-up, seven and a half years, mean age 63, 37% female. And these were diabetics over the age of 40 that did not have known cardiovascular disease. The major efficacy outcome was major adverse cardiovascular events, vascular death, MI, stroke, TIA. That occurred in 8.9% of the omega-3 group versus 9.2% in placebo, not statistically different. Secondary outcomes, major cardiovascular events or revascularization was also similar, roughly 11.5% in each group. All-cause mortality was similar, 9.7% in the omega-3 group versus 10.2% in placebo, and again, non-fatal MI, not different. So this study establishes, I think, with clarity that a moderate dose, 840 milligrams a day of omega-3 fatty acids in diabetics who did not have known cardiovascular disease was not beneficial in reducing major cardiovascular events. And so the authors concluded that routine dietary supplementation of omega-3 fatty acids is not recommended. So three trials, two involving aspirin, one involving uh, the omega-3. Now, interestingly, at next month's American Heart Association meeting, we're going to hear about another trial called Reduce It. And this will be a trial looking at a particular type of fish oil in individuals with diabetes and elevated uh, triglycerides. And that is a very eagerly awaited trial that we will certainly report to you from the meeting that I think will be quite interesting. So I want to thank you for listening to Eagle's Eye View. This is your weekly cardiovascular update from acc.org. And you can find all of these trials on our American College of Cardiology website. I think they're all interesting trials. They're important. And I try to pick every week three articles that I think potentially either reinforce current practice paradigms or potentially change those. And these two studies of aspirin and the one on omega-3 fatty acids certainly, I think, are quite informative. Also, when you go to the website, you'll find a new educational catalog feature on acc.org. It's located under the Education and Meetings tab. You can use this tool to sort out the ACC's educational offerings by various formats, and many of those are free. Find us online or wherever you get your podcasts. And I want to thank you for listening. Have a great day.